Hello, stackers. Welcome back to another special episode in our Stack of Dice series. Uh, hope you're doing well. In spite of everything that's going on in the U.S. with lockdowns and quarantines and stay-at-home orders and all that stuff, we certainly hope that you are feeling well, that you're doing well. We're trying to do our part. Uh, of course, all of these restrictions have put a crimp on our ability to meet to record new actual play episodes, but we're trying to make the best of the time and hopefully give you a little something to look forward to on Mondays, and that's exactly what we're going to try and do with this week's content. Now more than ever, I think creative content, especially through podcasts and other streamable media, are really showing the worth. You don't have to leave your home to get it. Um, it comes right to you. And hopefully you're finding that our creative endeavor here at Stack of Dice has been helpful in getting you through a week. And we would love to hear from you about it. If you have any thoughts to share on Twitter and Instagram at Stack o Dice or through email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. We, again, we sure would love to hear from you. Please do catch us in either of those ways, and um, we will do what we can to answer. We'd love to hear from people who like the show. Also, if you have not taken a chance to rate and review our show yet, please do that on iTunes. That will really help us out. During a walk today, I thought, you know, it'd be kind of neat to dig a little bit into a Simmery's life maybe find out a little bit about his past. And then I realized, hey, we've got something about that in the wiki already. So what I'm going to do is, after I talk a little bit about where Asimeris came from, I'm going to read from the wiki, the official Asimeris entry that I wrote a while ago. And then I'm going to read a one-hour challenge narrative that I wrote that will give a little bit of insight into part of Asimeris' experience. So hope you enjoy it. And... Again, reach out to us through the ways that we talked about earlier. To start with, when Thane and I were first talking about Vardalon and making a world, a playable game world, out of this thing that we had started to put together, we were talking about different people that could be in it. And I, I think it was on a car ride back from Florida that Thane and I were sitting in the back seat of the car and just talking about different ideas. And up popped this little guy, a, a small guy who could invent things and early on even in our talks we were we were talking about the possibility of uh, somebody who would make an airship somebody who could create wondrous things that would change the world and uh, so Asimri's was very very early on in our discussions about this world and so it was a lot of fun to really see him come to life and I've been impressed with him his quirkiness, his happiness with life in general. Um, he just, he's a lot of fun to play as a, as a non-player character. And I think every time he appears, the player characters, Meredith and Michael and Thane, all get really excited and genuinely appreciate when he's around. The notion of him being able to basically speak any language uh, is something that just kind of popped up during one of the games. As many of you know, I have a very deep interest in language. So does Thane. And to me, that just makes him even more endearing. Somebody who can almost instantly pick up on subtleties, and maybe not perfectly, but at least catch on to the sense of what is being said, and then begin to counter-communicate. Uh, that has been a fascinating part of the character to me. But the fact that he is so difficult to keep down, um, he's not, if he's ever sad about something, he's not sad about it for long. He's got a mind, a, a 
a genius of will, as Jules Verne wrote about it in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. He's very intelligent, but he has the stick to to really make sure that things go through. And so that's been a lot of fun to see come to life also in this character. I'll go ahead and read from the wiki again. The wiki address is vardalon.fandom.com. And I was a lot more active in maintaining this early in the show. And I do hope to get back to it at some point, really start digging into um, fleshing out entries, adding new entries, uh, bringing others up to date, that kind of stuff. But I got promoted. And so, of course, new responsibilities, a lot more involvement with work-related stuff has really pushed me off of the wiki. One of these years, I hope to get back to the wiki and really make it worth uh, going to. So the entry is for Isimiris Kalish, and here's what it has to say. Isimiris Kalish was a Kassarid known for his brilliantly inventive mind and quirky mannerisms. Born on the archipelago's central island of Yukonos, he grew up in the picturesque seaside village of Kitharon in a humble family of fishers. Asimri's work was funded by a mixture of the sale of patented items and state sponsorship, leaving him free to wander pretty much as he liked. He took advantage of his financial freedom by traveling broadly. Early Life Asimri's first flash of brilliance brought him to public attention when he managed to sneak into a village council meeting. The council was interested in collecting a commission from the village's fishers for the purpose of hiring a cartographer to chart the various sandbars that lay beneath the waves. Debate raged over the amount to charge when, as the story goes, suddenly there was a quiet cough. Young Asimri's, who was seven years old at the time, stepped forward with a bit of old planking he had salvaged from a derelict boat. On it, he had used bits of sharpened fishbone to scratch in fine lines an elaborate map of the waters of Kitharon, with sandbars and other underwater obstructions clearly marked. The crowd murmured appreciatively, and all the more when Asimri's told of how he had made the map. He used bits of driftwood stuck in a grid on the sandy shore at regular intervals, then stretched prone to peer down these fixed sight lines. He used this humble mechanism to note where boats veered to avoid the shallower water. Working in this way, with eyes on the water and hands moving along the rough wood, he was able to map much of the area with surprising accuracy. Since that golden moment, and as a token of thanks for the fame and tourism Kitharon has enjoyed in the wake of Asimri's later renown, the village has erected a bronze sculpture in the sand where the boy drew his map. It consists of a grid of crooked driftwood sticking out of the sand, and a boy lying on his stomach and staring eastward over the sea. Emboldened by his success, Asimiris found the floodgates of his imagination opened and he began to draw all the wondrous things blooming in his mind. Within weeks of the council, he took to scrawling with blackened firewood on just about any flat surface to include the walls of his home. The home and its remarkable drawings have since been preserved as a monument to the brilliant inventor. The drawings weren't enough, though. Asimiris began bargaining with villagers to collect scraps of whatever they no longer wanted and use these cast-off pieces to make his ideas real. 
Within a few years, he found himself in a comfortable workshop on one of the cliffs looking over the sea to the east. The space was necessary to house his sprawling collection. Later Life It wasn't long before word of the intelligent boy spread, first through Kitharon, then to the Kassarid port capital of Phalea, and from there to the major cities of mainland Edelin. Commissions began pouring in, and the inventor quickly found himself inundated with engineering requests ranging from creating a fountain in a Vondheider noble's mountaintop manor to delivering a city from annual flooding. In each case, Asimri's work combined functionality with artistry, and his involvement in a project quickly became accepted as a guarantee of an elegant and satisfactory solution. Notable Inventions Plenty of helpful inventions came from the Kassarid's mind. Here is a small sampling. Gravity Roadway An early project, the Gravity Roadway was a result of a request from the dwarves of southern Rindis, who sought a more effective means of transporting ore from their high delves into the smelting forges of the valleys. Iron rails made it possible for carts to wend their way downward, complete with a complex braking system. A heavy winching system allowed the cars to return to the top, albeit they could carry almost no cargo during that trip. This was a glaring oversight that prompted Asimeris to consider the roadway a total failure, and was a project he always intended to return to later in life. Steam Gates of Stajkeshk The leadership of the largest city in Trand had a problem. Its iron gates were a symbol of the city's power and a reminder of its rich history, but they were exceedingly heavy. The matter came to a head after the city narrowly avoided capture in one of its many conflicts. The city's soldiers managed to shut the gates on the approaching enemy, but only just in time, and with massive effort that could only be attributed to fortune. As a result, the city's elders called upon Asimeris to find a way to keep the historic gates, while making it possible to shut them with greater ease. He modified the hinges and supplied engines that operated on steam, making it possible for a single person to open and close them. Kitchens of Amaj Jabari One of Asimri's most challenging later commissions. A powerful regional ruler in Rahajmanath commissioned a kitchen which could run itself. While it still required some human intervention, the clever use of steam, machine, and hydraulic systems immediately made the kitchens one of the wonders of the world. Workshop Locations Asimri's ever-working mind rarely permitted him rest, and this was evident in the many workshops he established throughout Edelin. Here is where his workshops were known to be located. Kitharan Kassara, Flinmore Moraga, the sparse grasslands in eastern Setharban, and Abendila in Muwaka. Epithets and Impact on Popular Culture Through his long life, he earned many nicknames, to include Asimri's the Brilliant, Asimri's the Daft, Asimri's the Polymath, and the Little Man from Kassara. Asimri's himself never paid any heed to these epithets, wrapped up as he was in his work. Because of his wide impact on the continent of Edelin, Asimri's was also known as the Engineer of Edelin. The word Asimirian is applied to one who is vastly intelligent and capable of great things, but exhibits strange behavior. It may also be applied to an inanimate object of immensely practical but quirky application. 
The article also has an incomplete list of appearances of Asimri's. Uh, I had him listed up through episode 13, and obviously he's been in quite a few more episodes since then. Uh, so this is one of the parts that has suffered from my lack of attention to the wiki. Now I'm going to read my one-hour writing challenge. I took an hour, set it aside, and basically wrote for that full hour, and this is the result. Asimeris stood on the long walkway of the palace garden and blew quickly through his teeth, letting the tension ebb from him. He shivered in spite of the heat. It was visible in the form of a wavering shimmer above the white pebbled pathways and the swooping arches of the stately cream-colored stone buildings that peeked from among the trees along the garden's length. On any normal day, the little inventor would have been entranced by the obvious richness of the garden, stopping to admire the delicate curves and vibrant colors of the many tropical blooms that bobbed lightly in the early afternoon sunlight. None of that mattered now. The commission was everything, and his mind was a whirl. Instead of flowers, he could only see calculations, timelines, materials, costs. Things had slipped and looked like slipping even more. The project foreman had taken ill after three solid days of sleepless catch-up work and Asimri's considered the man's condition with a tinge of jealousy. A bed would be divine right now. As his breath whistled out into the sultry stillness, the little man instead let the scenery fill the void inside him. His eyes sought a moment of relief from the sun and found it, about a half-mile distant, where the garden's terrace dropped off to welcome the soothing, dusky green of the jungle valley beyond. The palace had been cleverly situated on a long ridge, and the garden completed the grounds with a carefully positioned view of miles of jungle beyond. He wondered how he, the humble son of even more humble fishers, might complete this task to make even more spectacular this sprawling home of Amaj Jibari, Rahan of Bulisat, and Jewel of the Eastern Principate of Rahajmanath. At the start, the idea had seemed so achievable. The Rahan was a notorious entertainer, often hosting month-long celebrations and always desirous to extend an irresistible invitation to notable travelers from other lands to experience the best Rahajmanath had to offer. Rahan Amaz Jebari saw such invitations as necessary. They kept him informed of movement through his realms while also letting his guests see just how rich and powerful Rahajmanath and the Rahan himself truly were. With these things in mind, Asimri's original plan had shown the Rahan that he would be able to turn his palace kitchen into the envy of all other kings of the world, making it a small kingdom unto itself and capable of running without humans. But now, three months in, and with no end of the project in sight, Asimri's had let a hint of despair creep into his thinking. He shook his head and wandered down the glimmering pathway in the direction of the jungle view. No. This was fatal thinking. Another shipment, this one of copper pipe, was due to arrive today, and a new crew of workers had arrived to fit the seals and gears that would drive the mechanisms of the kitchen. Yes, this would be a big step forward. His musings had led him slowly to a low-walled fountain basin in which clear water rippled from the middle. Asimri sat, removed his boot from his head, and rubbed a hand down his hair and then face. 
he straightened and stared in the direction of the palace kitchen. From this side, the spacious building looked small in comparison to the marble galleries, colonnades, and balconies of the palace. New fittings for copper pipes on the kitchen led to yet another small, recently constructed building of matching stone, from which Asimri's could hear the clanking of pistons and the gushing hiss of steam. This would be the source of life for the revised kitchen. Connecting the pipes would be tomorrow's job. Maybe with the pipe in place, it would be possible to feel a sense of accomplishment, to see if his designs might have some merit, after all. Asimri's did not like the Rahan's chief steward. He was officious, prying, and tended to stick his nose and his ideas where they didn't belong. Yes, I am sure all will be fine. Now please go prepare the Rahan for his tour, please. Asimri's pushed his back against the door to the kitchen to ensure the steward would do as he was told. The heavy wood and metal door clicked shut, its thickness muffling both the departing footsteps and the steward's muttered words. From here, Asimri stayed in his position, feet extended well before him. He was absolutely delighted by what he saw. Three more months had made all the difference, as had adding new and capable members to his staff. Today was the day to showcase this achievement, but he had to take one last look to make sure all was in order. In addition to wide windows along the walls, the kitchen had a row of openings thirty feet above in the vaulted ceiling, and sunlight shone through all of them to light the kitchen's work area. It was dazzling. Here at the front were rich, loamy beds of soil from which a variety of garden herbs from Rahajmanoth and well beyond grew. Concealed pipes brought in water to keep them green and fresh, and there were little metal arms here and there that would reach out and pluck the plants, dropping them into long, smooth shoots that dropped them into pans at the end. The arms would also create small divots into which fresh seeds were deposited. From here, a rolling machine would come along and collect the harvested greens, depositing them on a silver metal counter. Meats were stored in an underground chamber. With the right signal, a metal chain with hooked animal sides for the night's festivities would click up from below. A separate machine would retrieve these and convey them to a large preparation surface. It was here that dozens of arms would chop and slice as needed to prepare them for use in any number of dishes, Nearby, a saucing station would use cheeses, creams, vegetables, and other necessary items to prepare the sweet, the savory, the tart, and the delicious relishes that would complement the main dishes, all before they went into the roaring ovens of the kitchen. And best of all, because the steam pumping station was positioned outside the kitchen, much of the noise was kept out of this busy room, so that all the visitor would hear would be the whirring and clicking of machinery as it operated. Yes, this would be perfect. Asimri smiled and stood flat on his feet once more. He had been through the checks, had tested and retested, and knew the part each piece had to play. He was ready. A rapid knock on the door behind him startled him and Asimri straightened his collar with care. Then, turning smoothly, he smiled broadly and opened the kitchen's large door. Ah, my dear Rahan Amaj Jibari, star that outshines the moon and giver of life to his people, welcome, great Rahan, to your new wonder. So that's what I have for this week. Again, I welcome your comments, your thoughts. What do you think about Asemris? Do you like them? If you want to reach out to us, 
please do so on Twitter and Instagram at stackadice or by email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from those who listen to the show. Please do tell us what you think, and we are really looking forward to seeing you here again next time at Stack of Dice.